Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Now, one of the things that our staff needs to know is that they're dealing with serious diseases. It's a big mistake to think that our uneducated staff can deal with these issues. We have, in recent history, in the last 20 years, dealt with Ebola, MRSA, C. diff, and today, COVID-19. All of these require an educated staff, and today, this is what you're here for. You will get a certification that you understand The certification is not going to mean that you're doing anything. All that we can provide to you here from the Academy of Cleaning Excellence is information, knowledge. Many people say, well, what do you do there? We make better educated consumers. So I do want to say right now, we're educating you. We are not training you. There is a big difference between the two, and here we make that uh, distinction. If you're talking about education, this is dealing with the human mind so that I know why I am doing what I'm doing. When you talk about these items that are on your board, we have to know why we are doing it or we're very likely to do something incorrect. Training, on the other hand, is the skill set that shows and, and actually produces a result. A gentleman taught me this long time ago when I did not have this white beard. And what he said was, I have two legs and a brain. Treat me like such. I don't have four legs. What he was trying to say is you train an animal with four legs to do exactly what you want them to do. They have no idea why they're doing it. We should not be doing that with our staff. If you're the only one doing it in your company, you shouldn't be doing it to yourself. So what we're trying to do today is educate you that there are certain immediate impacts and what are the impacts if I use a certain product? It's there to protect others, but what happens to me? We need to answer questions. What steps should be taken when one of these issues that we just explained arise? I just got an email before we started class this morning, and it was showing a a lady that has been doing cleaning and was very confident in what she was doing, but whenever they asked her to go and decontaminate an area that had been infected by a COVID-19 patient, she freaked out, didn't know what to do, and this is, I think, what is happening today. Hopefully, by the end of the day, we will give you enough instruction to make you more comfortable with that situation. What kind of PPE should employees wear? This is a very big issue today. 
We will cover that in our class. And of course, the ever more question, what products really work? There's a lot of things that we need to think about. And as you see, these are the challenges that we face. Now, as you will probably already notice, I am not going to read out of the book to you. Uh, I don't do that. If that's what you expected, I'm sorry. You are adults. You uh, are probably the leaders of your organization in some manner or form. And so I'm going to give you live my information. Uh, we will follow the, the book here. It does say first responder. You might see that on page six here. And as such, um, I want to tell you, it says, remember, infection prevention is being proactive and taking measures to minimize exposures or control the situation once it has become a health concern. That's where we are today. We are in a battle. I have said this for years that we are the first responders to infection prevention to keep people from going to the doctor, to keep people from going to the hospital. We have to play our part. Social distancing will only do so much. Buildings are closed right now, they will reopen. Our job is to make sure that when they do reopen, we've done our very best. And when they do reopen, to keep them at the highest standard that we possibly can. What we have been saddled with is ever shrinking budgets. Budgets for what we do, we anticipate those will do what is happening right now. They are changing, they have loosened up. And to us here at the Academy, we believe that professional certifications are much like the driver's license that we all carry. Now, why do we have a driver's license? Well, the government requires it. The only problem here, as people have been choosing to take some of our certification courses, I've gotten the question, is that certificate required? No, unfortunately not. I think it's interesting, as I was talking with one person, they actually made a comment to me on one of my podcasts this last week. And they said, you know, it's interesting that a hairdresser has to have a certificate before they can cut your hair. A butcher has to have a certificate before they can cut the meat at the butcher shop. Many other people have to have a certificate, but yet here we are using some of the most dangerous chemicals on the planet, using processes and procedures and putting people in harm's way, but yet no certificate of knowledge is required. So whenever somebody asks me the question, I say, honestly, it's not required until you start requiring it. If you're the business owners, if you are the operators, if you are the managers that I'm speaking to today, would you not join me and make this a requirement? Now, I also have to say at this time that the certificate will have your name on it in the place where it says in this example, professional graduate. Hopefully after today, it will have your name on it. The certificate does not certify your organization. It certifies you. This certificate has to be for each and every individual. We are sending people into these facilities 
that need to have the knowledge firsthand, direct, and not diluted. And so this is why we do this. Now, I'm going to play a short video for you because today we are dealing with the COVID-19. And this is a video that I saw, and Daryl Hicks and I did a presentation uh, the last week of February, and we started our presentation with this video. I think it's very informative. Don't know if you've seen it before. Please take a look at it. And if you will, if you have an issue or you have something, then put me on a chat and I will take a look at it while I play this video. So we need to get the facts straight. How does this virus work? How does it transmit? Where does it want to go? And let's protect ourselves. I'm Dr. Peter Lin. I'm a family physician in Toronto, Canada. The coronavirus is a family of viruses that can cause as mild things as just a common cold, all the way up to SARS or MERS. These are these bad pneumonias that we're talking about. And basically what these viruses are, they look like a tennis ball with all these spikes sticking out of it. And depending on the type of spike, it allows that virus to attach to certain places. So some viruses, they have the spike that attaches to your nose. So basically you just get a common cold. But the SARS virus and this new virus that we're talking about has the spike that allows it to attach to the cells in your lung. And when it attaches there, it puts in information to make photocopies of itself. So it uses our equipment to make more viruses. I'm declaring a public health emergency of international concern over the global outbreak of novel coronavirus. Most of the coronaviruses live in animals. In this particular case, it was from Wuhan. There was a fish market where they were selling live animals. And the thought is, is that the virus was in a live animal, then it crossed into a human. But then what we found was that people were getting sick in terms of healthcare workers, in terms of family members that were looking after them, which now meant that the virus can pass from human to another human. Just like all viruses, it needs to reach a target, which is your lung and it has to get there with your help. It has no feet and no wings. So therefore it needs us to move it there. So that's why we keep saying, don't hang around sneezy people because you're gonna breathe it in and don't touch your face because that's how the virus is gonna get in. The masks are helpful, but they're not necessary because they're leaky. The ones that you and I buy basically have pockets here. So therefore the virus can get in. What the masks really do is they stop us from touching our face. If you're sick, we tend to mask you. So therefore you're not spewing out the viruses to other people sitting around you. The true people that have the real masks are the N95. Those are sealed. These are for the doctors that may be caring uh, for their patients. So in the beginning, the coronavirus will cause kind of like flu-like symptoms or a cold. So people just get the stuffy nose, that kind of thing. But you'll understand that as soon as that virus starts manufacturing in your lung cells, they're producing all these copies of the virus, all of a sudden now you kill the lung cells. So now you can't exchange oxygen. And that's why one of the early symptoms is people get very short of breath and they tend to have a difficult time breathing and that's why they end up in hospital. So currently, unfortunately, we don't have a direct treatment for the coronavirus. So we don't have a medication that can kill it off. And so it's really supportive. So in other words, the patient can't breathe. We give them oxygen, help them to breathe. They can't drink. So therefore, we give them fluids to support them. Their kidneys begin to shut down. We help them with all those things. So it's a very supportive process. 
this is a new virus that we've never seen before. So our immune system, our army, are having a hard time figuring out what to do. So usually what we have to do is we make something called antibodies. So these are things that can grab onto the spikes that we see on the virus and it will get rid of the virus for you and that will actually bring you back to good health. So therefore the elderly may have a worse outcome. And of course the young children, so the babies, their immune system is not so good either, so they may not make those antibodies as well. Just remember your hands may be with virus. Virus cannot hurt you because it can't get through the skin. But the moment I do this, now I've brought the virus right to where it wants to go. So let's remember not to touch our hands to our face. So let's say you think that you might have been on a plane or you might have bumped into somebody that has it. What should you do? So the first thing is to contact a healthcare worker to tell them that potentially you have it. If you're feeling symptoms and you're going to go into a facility, call ahead. Okay, so whether you're calling the paramedics or whether you're calling the hospital or your doctor, just mention that you were on a flight. If you don't have any symptoms, then what we do is a little bit of a self-quarantine. In other words, we can just keep you away from other people and so you don't go into parties, don't go with your friends, don't go into public transportation. So we can contain it very easily by making sure that you do a self-confinement, so to speak, uh, for the, let's say, 7 to 14 days is the longest incubation time. So after that, if you're feeling well, then you don't have anything to worry about. So if we get the facts right, then we don't have to be overly worried, but we do the right things so that we don't get the virus ourselves and that we don't pass it on to others. And if we look after each other in this way, this virus will have nowhere to go. It needs us to move it, it needs us to make copies for it, and if we don't help it, then the virus will stop. So we have the power to do that right now. Very good video. And although some things change, what the doctor had said here, by and large, has not. We will talk more about this. What I would like for you to do is at this time, if you haven't already done it, I'd like for you to make a list of questions that you have come here today to get answered. If you have that list, that's great. We will not ask you what is on that list at this point, but I want you to write these things down right now. I'm gonna give you just a couple of minutes to write those down after you've seen this and after we've started, because at the end of our session, which is going to be really close to that five o'clock hour uh, here on Eastern time, I wanna make sure that we've answered all of your questions. Now I see that some people have put some things here in the chat and I do appreciate this. And I, I see that some people are putting in answers to other people's questions. Thank you very much. Uh, it is hard for me to watch everything that's going on, so I appreciate your help. So take a couple of minutes here very quickly. Write these things down. This is the honor system, right? I can't see it. You're not going to show it to anybody. If you'd like to ask a question, uh, feel free to go ahead. I'm not going to go anywhere right now for a minute. I'm going to just kind of give you a moment to Write down those important questions so that we don't forget them uh, in the day.
Okay. How does everybody like dead air? In the broadcast business, that's not good, but we want to have that. So I have a page here that says, what's being done now? Number seven. You know, when it comes to this, we hear this a lot. Let's just use bleach. Let's get the bleach out and let's start just, you know, doing everything with bleach. It's an EPA registered disinfectant. It says it right there on the bottle. So uh, let's just get our bleach out. I am not going to talk a whole lot about the good and the bad and the ugly because there are. I'm just going to say that the EPA has declared this as a hazardous product to those that are applying the chemical. Now, how do you find that out? Well, because as you will learn today, just because it has an EPA registration on it does not mean that it is a safe product. EPA registration means quite something different. If you're looking for something that's safe, you look for a product that has an FDA uh, um, um, statement on it. So I want to just kind of right quickly here debunk the, the thing that bleach does everything, use bleach on everything. Uh, if, it's, if you smell bleach, it's clean. That is absolutely, totally incorrect. So I'm not going to go too much further in that one right here because this is what you see whenever something like this happens. Let's get the biggest, baddest, ugliest thing we can to kill everything, and that is not what a professional does. Somebody that is untrained and unskilled may. That is not why you're here today. Now, few cleaners that are actually out there doing the work, technicians, frontline people that I like to say, understand or really know how to break that chain of infection. What they do is they use the bleach. They use whatever they've been doing, and they don't understand that they're really not breaking the chain of infection. Are they impacting it? Eh, maybe a little bit. But unfortunately, in our spray and wipe mentality, we are doing very little, if any, to break that chain of infection. So a certified professional, as you will be today, will have the knowledge first. And then, as I said before, you need to gain the skills training to do that. Now, largely, the training is going to be your, your point. My job is to give you the knowledge to make you educated, to help you become educated to a certified level. Now, when it comes to this COVID-19 and other pathogenic organisms that cause disease and illness, we need to know how to handle the issue. You can read here, we have a, a number of different things. Um, we need to be prepared about what we're going to do. We are, as we said earlier, the first responder that is going to be dealing with the issues. Now, I don't know if anybody here on our broadcast today has actually had to already deal with an infected building. So I'm gonna hold for just a moment and if you have, I'd like for you to let us all know. Roger, Roger. Okay, so Randy Davis already has had to deal with that. 
Anybody else? No. Well, what that tells us is that it has happened and it will happen. Uh, I'll probably ask some questions a little later to that point. Uh, I will ask this question of you, Randy, and I, I'm, I'm assuming that because it's the name on the screen. Do you feel that you were a first responder? Yes, of course. Sure. And so this is what I think that we want to put forth, folks, is that we are the ones that go in. It's, it's much like the firefighter, right? Everybody runs from the building. Everybody's at home right now. The buildings are vacant. They're empty. And who's going to be the first ones in? We don't know what the last situation was. What was the last person that came through? How are we going to go into that building and what do we do? We will talk about that today. Hopefully, Randy, we'll help you with some other things that may, you may or may not done. And I may come to you and ask some questions of what you did. The point that we always make here at the Academy is we are the guardians of the health of the people. And we were very careful in putting these three words on our shield. And the reason we used a shield was because a shield is a symbol of protection. We truly believe, and I don't think there's any more time that's relevant, that knowledge, what we're talking about today, can protect health if we use it correctly. Now, what you do with today's knowledge is going to be, well, the outcome. We can't guarantee that outcome here. All we can do is help you get the knowledge to do to take care of that. Now, one of the things that you need to have in this whole arsenal of information is a bloodborne pathogens exposure control plan. I know that's quite a lot. Now, OSHA has a version, and you will need to get whatever version you believe. Here at the Academy, we have kind of a basic version. If you go into the full OSHA bloodborne pathogen standards, there's a lot of requirements. I believe that everybody needs to have at least a basic understanding of a bloodborne pathogen exposure plan. You need to have this in place. And this needs to be something that every single one of the, of the frontline technicians that are out there responding to these issues, because they are the ones that's going to minimize the exposure on surfaces, equipment. They potentially can come in contact with body fluids. And you'll learn more about this as we go through uh, the information. So I think that takes us through... Let me just make sure, because I have a tendency to get on with my program and forget to keep you up. I think this talks about this all the way up. So we're going to flip over here, I believe, going to page eight. In the middle of the page, you'll see a label. Looks like this, this label here. And to the left of that is where we're talking about preventing microbes from getting a foothold. And the way we do that is by removing the food and the moisture. Now, microbes, by and large, need exactly what you and I need in order to survive. They are a living organism. 
They work with the same way we do. Matter of fact, we are trillions of microorganisms. Without food and water, we die. So they have to feed the same way as you do. If we do not give them the opportunity to have food and water, moisture, then they cannot live. So what I have always talked about is proper cleaning. And I don't just mean cleaning. We're going to talk about proper processes a little later on. This is where we are removing the food sources so that these organisms can't live. When this pandemic started, I made a comment, and I've made it several times. I've said it on the podcast almost every day. This virus, these bacteria, will be here long after all of us have come and gone. They have a, an ability to survive long past us. All that we can do is prevent them from causing illness and death to us. One of the largest ways is not to destroy and kill them. We cannot do that. We may momentarily, but not totally. So removing the food source, proper cleaning, may be the best route of removal on environmental service, surfaces. So some of what I'm going to show you and talk to you about today is what might be, in your feeling, a best practice to remove everything that we can prior to or maybe in place of a, using a disinfectant or a sanitizer. Not everywhere do we need to use chemistry to kill something because we can do this. Now, I've always said there are two basic principles in all cleaning. And if you have your workbook in front of you, you already know what the answer is going to be. If you don't have the workbook, here is your answer. pH and physical removal. What I found in my 45 years in this industry is that you have to have a balance of these two things in order for an outcome to be measured and to get the results that you're looking for. pH, that is a liquid. Water is a universal cleaning agent and water has a pH. I don't know if you've ever taken a piece of litmus paper and checked the pH of the water that comes out of your tap or the water that's in the water bottle. I will tell you this came out of a water bottle and I have tested the pH of it. I know exactly what that pH is. On the other hand, water by itself cannot do the task of removal unless there's pressure, unless there's movement. Water just sitting there, it's still, all, the, the, the dirt's still there, the pathogens are still there. I have to have physical removal. So what is the best practice to use these two things in conjunction and in balance? We want to look at these things first before we start just throwing all kinds of chemicals and tools at it. We need to understand this. So you'll see that we're now on, the, on page nine. We've moved to the top of page nine. Now, 
I'm going to show you this here before I get into this because I wanted to kind of shock you a little bit. Yes, that's true. Um, here is a picture, if I can get this to work right, of a surface that is contaminated. Now, I'm sure that already some people have some ideas of what this is contaminated with, so uh, I would like to hear what your thoughts are. Looks like blood to me. Ah, looks like blood to you. Anybody else concur? Sure. Yeah. Yes. And the rest of them just kind of want to wait and see what the answers Strawberry are. Strawberry jam. What was that again? Strawberry jam. Strawberry jam. See, somebody thought, well, maybe it's something different. Blood or red wine. I guarantee you that that, that person if that was red say, wine, that's alcohol abuse. I was going to say it looks like maybe a, a sauce of some type for like a hot sauce. Okay, a hot sauce. Tomato sauce. Tomato sauce. Okay, so now see the thing is, is you're thinking past what the initial things was because I said disinfection you immediately went to blood. What this is, is a strawberry slushy. Now, does that change the way that you would need to process this area? No. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's dis discuss this just a little bit. If this was the issue and my technician went up there, and was not aware of what it was, what would they do? Assume the worst. Okay, so here we have. Go ahead, once again. Uh, you, you hope you hope for the, or you assume the worst and hope for the best. Uh, you, you treat it as it is something that is contaminated. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I agree. Investigate. Ask who made it. Treat it as a contaminated area. So, our frontline technician. If we have this many varied opinions of what we've just seen, what is our technician going to be challenged with? And what are they, what, what do they know to do? What is the standard operating procedure that you have written down in black and white and that they are tested on as to what their skill set would be? First, what is their knowledge of what to do? This is the question that we have because in this case, this is very visible. What if I couldn't see this and somebody said there had been an infected person there? You see, the problem here is when we can see it, we can make determinations. And as you said, we can investigate this. We can ask questions, which would be the first thing I would do. Does anybody have any idea what this is? Are you going to go over and smell it? 
Are you going to take some of it and wipe it and smell it? What is a technician to do? I don't want to give the answers right at this moment, but what I want you to look at is in your, your sheet here, uh, the first thing it says here, and I don't have this on the screen, it says cleaning. The unqualified use of the term cleaning should be avoided when communicating hygienic practices to the staff because basic cleaning does not impart the knowledge of what the possible protocol or situation may be. A comment? Oh, I saw somebody's microphone come on. Now, my point to this is, if in fact we were going to go past cleaning and wanted to do disinfection, we need to remove this visible soil before we could use the disinfectant, correct? Most of the time, yeah. Do I use a disinfectant to remove this? Not if you know it's a slushy. I would say that you clean it first and then you disinfect. So is a disinfectant a cleaner in this situation? No. No. But yet, if the frontline technician has a cleaner disinfectant, what they're going to make the assumption is that I can clean and disinfect with the same process or with the same product. All I have to do is use the disinfectant on this, and once this is all visibly gone, it's disinfected. Would that be correct? Nope. No, even with a cleaner disinfectant, you would have to do the process twice. All the visible soil has to be removed. Michael, I can't disagree with you because that's 100% correct. Here's the issue. Many of our frontline technicians that simply see on there, it says cleaner disinfectant, when they're doing their job, are simply gonna go through there because I've got so much to do. I know it's a strawberry slushy, so all I'm gonna do is just clean and disinfect it with the same thing. Uh, if there was something there that was contaminated, it's now taken care of. And this is a problem when we use these terms with our frontline staff and they've not been educated as to exactly the protocols and principles. I'm not gonna go through all of the list of terms that are on here. Uh, you can see I skipped cleaning. We'll talk about that a lot more as we go through the day. There's a whole lot of different things I wanna talk about. Now, in terms, I am going to talk a few of these. Here are a number of terms that can be used. Which one of these terms is the most important? Hand washing. Safety. 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 